Mac Power Users, episode 463, All Good Things. Hello, everyone. I'm David Sparks, joined by my pal, Katie Floyd. Hey, Katie. Hi, David. How are you? Good. Uh, I am uh, feeling a little sad. You know, this is your last episode on the Mac Power Users. I have been thinking about that all day. I've been at uh, work all day recording this at our normal time when we get home and uh, just thinking about, um, yeah, it's um, hasn't quite hit yet. I think it'll probably hit next week when it's or maybe the week after because next week is Christmas, but maybe the week after when it's uh, not time to record anymore. But uh, it is bittersweet. It's um, it's been a good run. We but um, we've we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. We've got a lot of stuff that we've covered this past uh, past month, and we've got some feedback we can cover for people. When we started the Skype call with me singing to you one last time from Hamilton, did that make you uh, want to stay longer or go sooner? Well, I thought about <laughs> hanging up and being like, "Oh, sorry, no connection issues. Can't yeah. can't continue." Um, I'm actually really excited because I was listening to the Hamilton sound. Can I? No, it's fine. Nobody's listening. Uh, I was listening to the Hamilton soundtrack in the car on my on my way home today because I bought Hamilton tickets for my mom for Christmas. I should say I bought her one Hamilton ticket. Sure. And the other Hamilton ticket is on my phone because I am going. So I'm very excited. Looking forward to it. All right. Well, you'll have to let me know about that. After yes. You do it. I, uh, I, I should have gone long before, but um, I'm very excited. The music is great. So we've got, uh, for the show today, we've got some usual feedback from um, the the last month's shows that we want to kind of catch up with some of that. And we've got uh, some fun stuff for Katie's last episode, too. So hopefully we'll uh, let you learn a few things and have a little fun today. It's like when um, when your your favorite musician does like their, their final world tour, that they just keep going and going and going and going. I feel like this has been the, um, uh, the, 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 the Katie's farewell tour that keeps going that's only been a month it is it has yeah like elton john's doing his farewell yellow brick road tour i think right now i think he's actually done though there'll be another one well there that's the question i think elton maybe he's done but who knows anyway um let's start with feedback uh tons of feedback uh this month's show about our life being a subscription uh tj wrote in uh to take us to task we both got the uh, backblaze pricing wrong um, you said you pay for it $60 and because you get it annually. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. But, uh, fact is if you pay for it annually, it's $50 a month, it's $10 cheaper. Yeah. And that's because I did the math in my head. Cause I knew it was five bucks a month, but they, I, I knew that I just didn't think about it at the time. So you can either pay five bucks a month, but you should pay it for a year. And, uh, TJ went further to say that if you buy two years, it's only $95, uh, which is a saving of $25, which is a uh, pretty good savings. And uh, I don't know about you, but I don't intend to stop using an online backup service anytime soon. So maybe next time I renew, I'll just do that. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I was curious about this. My life is a subscription show because I knew it was a an issue that I was very interested in. But you, you know, it's funny which shows resonate with people and, and which ones don't, because sometimes ones that I'm very excited about, people are like, yeah. And then other shows that I'm like, I don't know, that's going to land real well. Uh, people seem to have lots of feedback about. So uh, this was one that I was glad because it was one that I was excited about and one that people seem to get really involved with, too. I think it's a very timely topic. Yeah, agreed. And uh, we heard from David on software, the software business. David is a former software developer and was just talking about all the different ways that they would use to, you know, that they would spend money, not only for development, but also customer support and the other things. 
And he concluded at the post nicely, and this is in the talk.macpowerusers.com forum, just saying, you know, his point is that they need to make revenue stream if they're to remain viable for the long term. And, uh, you know, they they have to be able to make money in order to keep a, a product running, which is something that, you know, we're all aware of. And he concludes there's no true one true model that works in all circumstances for everyone. But you need uh, flexibility in adapting the licensings to meet the particular needs of the app store. And I, I just think that um, the point I really wanted to make in that show, every time I talk about subscriptions, people say that, you know, all, I'm just a shill for the developers because I do uh, support paying subscriptions. Um my my feeling, and I try to get that across in the show, is I support paying subscriptions for developers that earn it. And um, I know that looking at my App Store history, there's several times where these little utility apps I will buy, and then the developer doesn't make any more money off it. It's a small utility, so they can't afford to keep updating it for free forever, so they just abandon it. And then some other developer comes up with the same utility, but they make it for iOS 7 or whatever the latest update is to the operating system. I end up buying it again from somebody else, which is essentially the same app, just because I want an updated version. I wish, uh, for me, subscriptions are a way for people to make these small apps and allow them to stay in business to keep updating the same one. And um, I'm not just saying you blindly give subscriptions to everyone, but I think you at least consider it with apps that, that earn their place on your phone or your Mac or whatever. Uh, yeah. I think, I think with all things, it depends. Uh, here's an example of this. There, there used to be this, this little app that did a very simple thing. It was called um, contact lock screen and it's not updated anymore. And what it would do is it would, it would take a photo from your photos roll and it would, it would crop it to the right size and it would very neatly add uh, your contact information to a photo, put it to the right size, and then um, allow you to easily set it as your lock screen image. And it had figured out the dimensions, it had figured out the appropriate font, it figured out where it needed to be placed, you know, so that it wasn't obscured by, you know, where your thumb would swipe or any of that stuff. And it was not an expensive app. I think it was like a buck ninety nine, and I bought it and I used it, and you know, I would I would be able to regularly update my lock screen when I wanted a new photo on there, and yet still have my my contact information. And I was happy to pay a buck ninety nine for it, but I don't know that I would want to pay a subscription for it. But eventually, as new versions of the operating system, because every time you get a bigger phone or a new operating system, that's got to be updated because it's got to accommodate newer screen sizes and and different you know, phone sizes and, and different lock screen configurations, it's got to be updated. And eventually it just stopped being updated. Uh, that's one where I don't mind. Um, I, I don't know that I would want to pay a subscription for kind of a one-time use utility like that, but I wouldn't mind paying an upgrade fee for it. I mean, you know, we've kind of gotten away from that where, you know, hey, if you want it to support the latest phones or the latest system, then you got to buy version 2.0. That I would have been happy to do. But yeah, alas, that, that guy just disappeared. Uh, Stephen wrote in, uh, and he says he made the world's simplest shortcut to jump right to the subscriptions page in the iOS app store. This is your new Stephen, Stephen Hackett. Yeah, that's, that, that's our new Stephen. And, um, so, uh, it's just a real simple, uh, series shortcut. Like we'll put a link in the show notes. It's a quick way to see exactly what your subscriptions are. Um, Oogie, I love the name. Uh, oh, wait, before you before you go, the the shortcut's great, but just so people know, the the manual way to do that is not that hard either. I mean, keep the shortcut; it's it's easy to get there. But if you want to get there manually, I think people should know that it's you go into the iTunes Store, scroll to the very bottom, click on Accounts, 
And then there's a, a link to get to your subscriptions page. Yeah. I mean, Apple does make it really easy. That's one of the, the good things they did when they made this kind of push toward uh, having developers use a subscription model is they made it very easy for users to unsubscribe, which is the exact opposite of so many of the people on the internet. <laughs> it's, it's a, sometimes it feels like you're just running the gauntlet to try and get unsubscribed from something. Um, the, uh, Oogie wrote in, uh, sh- shuddered to hear Max Barkey say he wanted Apple to bundle in iCloud sync for pictures. I absolutely do not want any of my stuff automatically in any cloud system. And that's not what I meant. Uh, I, what I meant is I think that we should have the ability once we buy an Apple device to have it just back up all our photos for us. I'm not saying that we have to use it, but it shouldn't be something that we have to pay extra for. I, uh, that's my big, that's my big move. Once I, they give me Tim Cook's job. And uh, I'll make that change, and then the board of directors will fire me the next day. But is that if you get a hundred and twenty-eight gig iPhone, that you get a hundred and twenty-eight gigs of iCloud space? Yeah. Well, I mean, or just all your pictures, right? You know, I mean, let's just say we'll store all your pictures. That's fine. You don't have to. You don't have to buy extra space for your pictures. Services revenue. Services revenue. Yeah, no, that's why they'd fire me the next day. But I, I feel like. Um, uh, they can afford it, and I think it would make it a lot easier for people to buy their phones. And I, I just can't imagine how hellish it must be for the people working the uh, the Apple Store to have these stories. People come in that lose their phone and lose their pictures because they weren't willing to spend a dollar a month to get that extra storage. And, and as I said in the episode, uh, I totally understand why you'd be outraged and not want to give Apple a dollar a month. Um, but um, at this point, I think you need to. But if I if I was in control, you wouldn't have to. Well, can I tell you what I would do? I don't know that I'm going as, as far as you are, but I pay for more iCloud storage space than I need because, you know, the, the tiers jump pretty quickly. I think I pay $1.99 a month and get way more storage than I need. I don't remember what that tier is off the top of my head. But I've got a lot of storage. I would like to be able to use that for whatever I want to it. So, for example, I, I pay my $1.99 a month and... And I also then separately pay for iTunes Match. Well, that's just using more storage space. Why, why can't I use my extra storage space and then also put my iTunes Match in there too? Agreed. Why, why can't I just use the storage space for, for whatever I want and not have to pay again? Yeah, they, they did improve that for families. Like we have one iCloud account now that we share amongst our family. And it's great because before all of my family ha- had just enough storage with their pictures to be just above that 250 uh, limit. So we saved a lot of money when they switched it over to families. But you're right. Why can't it just be a bucket of ones and zeros that you can use for any Apple service? So let's move on. Um, another uh, recent episode we had was on little known iOS tips. And again, this is one of those episodes where I, I was excited about it. And then I was a little nervous. I was like, well, maybe maybe people will skip this one. Maybe they think, oh, it's Mac Power users. I already know all the tips. Maybe maybe they won't think that this is, is worthy. But we got a lot of great feedback about it in the forums. And then a couple of tips that we didn't cover that I thought were, were worth bringing to people's attention. Uh, Chris wrote in with a couple of things. He said, uh, first off, if you attach a keyboard to your iPad, you can hit command space to open Spotlight and search for any app, which does bring up a whole other slew of tips we didn't cover, which are keyboard shortcuts work in iOS. We didn't, we didn't even go there, but, but they do. And so if you have a keyboard attached, you can, you can open up a whole new world of keyboard shortcuts, but moving back on to Chris's tip. So command space to open up spotlight and search for an app. He says, then start dragging the app icon and the spotlight overlay will close, allowing you to drop it on the border between your two split view apps, 
which then opens a third app and slide over. Or you can just hold it to the right or left and it opens a second app. It's or replaces the existing one if you drag it on top. This is something I do multiple times a day. I just brain farted. I should have covered that. And um, this is another one I hope gets better with iOS 13. I, I would really like the ability to not have to lift my fingers off the keyboard with that. When you hit command space, why can't you arrow down and hit some magic keyboard arrow key or something to just automatically drop that application into multitasking mode. Uh, that's a, that's something Apple could improve on. I think they will. We'll get there. Um, John wrote in with a tip, and I'm so glad he did write this as a tip because I've done this by accident and not been able to figure out how I did it and then have to go all the way through settings to, to switch it back. But John says, in TweetBot, if you swipe up with two fingers, it will quick change to dark mode and back. He says, works on iPad, not sure about on iPhone. Well, I can confirm and it does indeed work on the iPhone because I've accidentally done it. I love these little like uh, interface style shortcuts. I just wish they were more discoverable. But, you know, the developers walk that fine line because if they start popping up things when you open their app, being like, hey, did you know? People get irritated with that real fast. I mean, back in the old days when when the Mac got a right mouse button, that was a, a period of discovery for us all, you know, because the Mac had a single button for so long. But uh, but now it, it's even more hidden than just click the right button. Uh, but anyway, uh, Robert wrote in, he says, his favorite one seems to be never mentioned by anyone. Under accessibility, there's a feature called assistive touch. This allows you to have a floating translucent button appear on the screen. And when you touch it, you get a sub menu of quick action buttons. You can configure how many buttons are in the sub menu and what they do. Uh, there are many uses for this, but his favorite is to use it for triggering a screen capture. Also used to be a way to have a, a home button on your screen. And there was kind of a, a time, uh, was it a certain run of iPhones that that had a, a home button issue? Yeah. And I think Ben Thompson wrote at one point that like in Asia, everybody was using this uh, virtual button because they didn't want the button to go bad on their phone. Um, well, there's some feedback on the ScanSnap. We ScanSnap's been a longtime sponsor of the show. Um, you're getting, if you've got a ScanSnap, you're getting messages uh, that it is currently got 32-bit software, and that's going to change to 64-bit software with the next version of macOS. Uh, they now have a version out for macOS, uh, and we'll put a link into the show notes, and you can get the new version of their software down. Um, that software does not work with some of the older scan snaps. I'm still getting the story on that, but I'm looking into alternative apps. One of them I'm looking at right now is ViewScan. Uh, I, I don't know if I can recommend it yet, but this is the one that seems to be the the best option, but I, I'm testing it. I don't want to make, this is not a full recommendation, but this is some advice to check this one out. If you've got an older scan snap and you're not getting the updated software, check out ViewScan, V-U-E-S-C-A-N. I'll put it into the um, show notes. It's at uh, hamrick.com, H-A-M-R-I-C-K. But it's got uh, Mojave, dark mode support, 64-bit support, and uh, it looks like it's got most of the features of the ScanSnap software. So uh, check that out as well if you've got an older device. And we've still got a little bit of time. Bef um, I don't know when the next version of the operating system is coming out, but we've we've got some time to figure some stuff out. Uh. We talked about go bags. That was kind of fun. The show with Casey Liss, yes. And we had a lot of people write in and, and tell us about their, their go bags um, and, and what they, they have in them. So that was a, a, a fun discussion. So Yeah, you know, it got me thinking. I actually thinned my go bag out after that episode where I, I don't need as many connectors. Now that the, um, that the, the iPad Pro is on USB-C, 
uh, it actually has reduced the amount of cables I'm carrying. And, and the other thing is I don't have a laptop anymore. So all the stuff you would carry around to support a laptop, I don't have. So uh, mine's got thinner, which is kind of nice. For me, I've, I've started creating, you know, those mini go bags. And so I still have the go bag for like when I travel and all. But I think I've got three of the mini go bags now, one in my purse, one in my briefcase, and one I just keep in my car um, that that has like the cable and a, a battery. And I, I put a couple of things in there. I, I've started actually putting uh, $20 bills in them, too. When, when I did my office, listener Roger um, in the forum sent me a link to this really cool like foam that you can put inside drawers. People use it for like and fancy camera bags, you know, to line their lenses and things like that. So I bought some for my workbench and in the top drawer, I have created this amazing uh, section of all the stuff that I would want when I pack a bag to go somewhere. Uh, because, because I have this fixation with uh, bags these days, I have probably too many bags to fully stock each one, but this is just like a, it's a little section of this top drawer of this workbench where I've got, like uh, batteries and simple cables, reading glasses, Advil, um, keys, um, flashlights, just anything I, I would normally want. I'll put a picture of it uh, in the show notes. I have a I actually have a Dropler account now. I finally broke the bank and did that. Uh, so I'll put it in the show notes and also put it in the forum. But I, I made this cool drawer. So my version of the go bag is as I pack my bag to go somewhere, I just open that drawer and pull out what I need. And um, the other nice thing about it is because it's got this pre-cut foam, whenever something's missing, I can know exactly what's not in there. And then when I get back from wherever I go, I restock the drawer. Not as fast. Well, I've, you could also maybe just put all that stuff in a bag and then take that little bag and put it in your other bags. But that's kind of what the go bag is for. But I have different rigs for different things. Like, like sometimes we're going to go to Disneyland and I'm going to bring the tripod and shoot pictures of fireworks with the fancy camera. And sometimes I'm just going to bring, you know, the iPhone and a flashlight. You know, it just depends on where, you know, it, it, they're different kind of loads and they're not always the same. Uh, but uh, it is kind of my own sickness the way I've set this up. So <laughs> I'll share it. See what you think. I mean, you can roll your eyes at it, Katie. I mean, and... uh you know, send me, uh, you can send me text messages or memojis telling me how much you hate it. No, I don't, I don't hate it. There's, there's a reason this podcast all these years has been audio only. All right, let's take a minute to talk about our first sponsor. That's our friends over at SaneBox. Go over to SaneBox.com slash MPU to get a $25 credit on any plan. SaneBox is one of my favorite, um, you know, internet services. And what it does is it looks through my mail for me and sorts it. It's like having my own personal assistant do my email sorting for me every day. Um, so the way this works is when you get a SaneBox account, the SaneBox will look at the emails in your inbox and look at who they're from and what the subject line is. That's all they look at. And then they also know how frequently you respond to people that have uh, from come from that email address or has a subject line like that. And then they do some uh, algorithms on the Internet to automatically sort that out for you. For instance, if I get an email from some place that I buy jeans from, they're going to put it into a separate box that's for like marketing materials. If I get somebody asking me a question about a 
a purchase of a Max Barkey field guide. It goes into a, a, a um, customer support mailbox that I've created in Samebox. So, but the, the robots in Samebox have just got just like wicked good at figuring out where all these emails go. So before Samebox, I would wake up in the morning, I'd have two or 300 emails in my inbox. And it was just crazy because I didn't know what was the good stuff that really needed my attention right now. And what was the stuff that was less important. And then what was the stuff that could really wait until sometime in the future. And the same box solves that problem for me because it does that sort for me. So now when I wake up and look in my email, email inbox, there's like 10 emails in there and they are the 10 most important emails that I really need to address. Uh, and that's the magic of Samebox. The stuff that's less important gets moved into different boxes that I can look at with less frequency. This allows you to stay on top of email even when your life gets crazy. And that's just one of the things you can do with Samebox. Uh, another thing, for instance, you can do that I just love is when I send an email to someone, I can blind copy that to Samebox with some time period. Like I can send Katie an email and say in blind copy one week at samebox.com. If Katie doesn't reply to me in a week, then I get a, a reminder from Samebox saying, hey, Katie never wrote you back on that. Maybe you should follow up with that. Now, before I used to do that, I managed those tasks in OmniFocus, which was a big pain to manage all your email. You don't want to manage all your individual email through OmniFocus or any task manager, really. Samebox just makes it easier. So uh, Samebox really loves Mac Power Users listeners. 66% of the listeners who try Samebox subscribe from MPU. We are like off the charts for all of the podcasts they support because people who listen to Mac Power Users get it. You want email to be easier. You want it to be more powerful. And this does uh, it for you. The other thing I like about it is it works with all sorts of email programs because it's, it's web-based. If you decide to switch to a different email client, you're good. It just handles it for you. It does filtering. It allows you to defer email. There's a bunch of features with it. Uh, head over to sanebox.com slash MPU. Get yourself a free 14-day trial and try it out. And remember that if you get it at sanebox.com slash MPU, you're going to get that $25 credit on any plan. And they start as low as $4 a month. So that's sanebox.com slash MPU. Thank you for all your support, Sanebox, and everybody go check it out. So as we uh, look back and you look forward, one of the questions that I, I think have, have come across our, our screen multiple times, and I feel like we've shared this before on uh, on MPU, but I, I realize not everybody listens to, to every episode, although you can start, you can always go back to the beginning and, and start again, uh, is they want to know how this all started, David. Well, I mean, it started with a couple of friends at Macworld, honestly. <laughs> yeah. So I want to say uh, Macworld 2008. Eight, I think, is it was actually the very first MacWorld that I attended, and it was the it was the MacWorld where the MacBook Air, the original MacBook Air, you know, where they pulled it out of the envelope, uh, was was released, and I remember that so distinctly because on the show floor of MacWorld they had all these MacBook Airs suspended from the air with like fishing wire, and I was there, you were there, uh, podcasting was was a thing, but it was still a fairly new thing. Um, we were there. Victor Callao was there. Adam Christensen was there. Don McAllister was there. Uh, Chuck Joyner was there. I think Allison, Allison Sheridan. Sheridan was there. Yeah, a whole group of um, uh, Mac OS Ken was there. Ken Ray. Um, the problem uh, is, once you say one name, you've got to say them all. You've got to say them all now. Uh, you know, I, I have I have a picture. If you give me a minute, there's a picture on my wall of this lunch that we went to with everybody who was there. All the Mac Observer people were there. Um, so I, I actually have it framed up on my wall, the, the picture from the, the lunch that we went to with all these folks. And um, people kept pushing us 
together. I, it was the first time that we had met. And the thing that was unique about us is, you know, we were we were both in uh, practicing. I mean, I guess we are both practicing lawyers, but um, we we were unique in that we were some of the people who had day jobs out, outside of the tech world. And we both happened to be lawyers, which was kind of a rarity. Um, yeah. And that, that was, I thought it was silly, but you and I had actually worked together a little bit in the past. You and I had guested together on other people's shows. I actually guested on your prior show. You had done a show before this. Um, and, um, so, I mean, we knew of each other, but we really didn't know each other. And, um, everybody's like, well, you should hang out with Katie. She's a lawyer too. And I'm thinking, oh, you know how many lawyers I know that are jerks? I don't know who this Katie lady, but then we had fun. We, I think we had a couple meals together and uh friendship ensued. And, and the, um, the idea of a podcast, and uh, I won't dwell on this because we have talked about this on the show before, but we were told by many people that we should not do a podcast because uh, there were too many Mac podcasts and anything that could be said, was already being said. And, um, and I, I'm really glad that we got that feedback to begin with, because it, then we took months to to plan what Mac power users would become. It, 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 the Mac world was in January. No, was it? That sounds about right. Yeah, it was in January. Back in those days, it was always in January. Yeah, early. We didn't launch the show at least until May. Maybe it was January of 2009 where we met. I don't know, but we—I don't think we launched launched the show until May. And and so we took a lot of time to and we brainstormed. I, I remember having we had an omni uh, out, omni outliner document that we were sending back and forth, um, brainstorming popular segments. And I remember our, one of our first rules is any time we said, "I, I want to do something like." Insert name of podcast here. We threw it out. It, it immediately became a non-starter, right? But it worked, and um, and it's just been a wonderful nine and a half years making Mac Power users with you, right? And I think the thing that was so surprising to us is that when we when we launched the show, episode one, which we ended up talking for three hours about email, so we very wisely decided if we if we release a three hour episode for our first episode, we're going to turn everybody off. So we ended up splitting it in half, and so the the episode was part one was an hour and a half, part two was an hour and a half. Um, and, and people still listen. Our, our shows are famously right around. They always seem to hit at the right about the hour and a half mark. Um, we released the episode, and it was um, pretty popular uh, for for like a, a one off podcast. The first podcast to be released, I, I was watching the download numbers the first time we released it, and I I was stunned at how many people actually listened to it. I mean. It, I won't say that it was an overnight hit, but it was it was a number that you would look at and be like, okay, well, maybe we can't. Maybe this is a fluke. Maybe just all of our friends sent us people and they downloaded the first episode, but then people continued to listen. So we kind of did it. I, I think it's a good idea. I still think Mac Power uses a great idea, a show that tries to focus on uh, substance over noise, and uh, we still try to deliver that. I mean, between the guests and the content shows, I hope that we continue to do that. That's always my first question when I meet somebody that's listening for a long time is, are you still getting good stuff out of the show? We always get asked about the name. Um, the, the name really came from a couple of things. The first one is that, remember, there was no iPad when we announced Mac Power users. It's hard to believe as much as we talk about the iPad now that um, that there was no iPad when we released this. And the iPhone was still very, very new. I remember, I think I remember um, recording our episode on iOS 2 or 3, or, or right after that was released with you about how, how that was going to change things. I mean... And it wasn't iOS 2 or 3. It was iPhone OS. iPhone OS, yes. That's it, right. It wasn't until years later that they called... I mean, iOS 
as as a name didn't even exist when we when we chose the name of the show. Right, because there was there was no thought of being a an iPhone power user because the the iPhone was great and it was revolutionary for what it was at the time, but it, it there was no thought that it would be this whole platform onto itself. But they, it was always intended to be Apple power users, really, is what we are. But I, th- I think Apple would sue us if we called it that. Yeah. And <laughs> so there there was the issue of what would we get in trouble for naming the podcast? And then there was the other issue of what, what domain name was available. Uh, another funny thing about the beginning of the show was the very first episode we recorded. We we recorded a about three-hour show on Apple Mail or just uh, email. And then when we finished it, I don't know if it was you or me. One of us said, hey, you want to just do that over? Because it was not good. I mean, it, I don't know that it was horrible, but it was it was just not – neither of us were thrilled with the end product. Yeah, you know, it was just hard kind of getting started. And then um, I th- felt like by the end we had this great rhythm going. And I'm like, well, let's just start with that rhythm. So we, we went back. I think I suggested let's throw that one out and do one more. And I think you immediately said yes. And I, I don't even have that original recording anymore. Maybe you've got it. I don't know. I, I don't. I, I, don't. I, would, I think it'd be funny to go back and listen to it sometime. I mean, episode episode one that was ultimately released is still out there. It's available on the Relay website. No, I'm talking about the, the, the lost episode. The lost episode. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and Katie gave me a hard time with the show format saying that we would run out of stuff. And here we are. And we're still going strong. So that's good. Um, the, it was fun really getting the show started and, and we've been, you know, we've changed networks a few times and we've had some format changes, but overall, I think the show's kind of kept to the original vision. Well, I think the format changes have, have ultimately been a good thing. You know, we added the, with the workflow shows with our work, I, I think really because, uh, you had an obsession and we're stalking Merlin Mann at, at Macworld one year and he agreed to, we were looking for it. No, I'm just kidding. But we. <laughs> well, it's kind of true. It is kind I mean, of true. But we 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 knew that we needed to add something to the show. Well, I, I felt like after a year, um, our opinions are great, but I wanted to hear the opinions of others. And um, so uh, and Merlin was such an obvious choice for that. So I, I did. Uh, you know, we we started a friendship there that day and it's it's continued for a long time. And and he's been nice enough to come on the show several times, but you know he wasn't the only. We've had some great guests over the years. What, what were some of your favorite guests over your run on MPU? I feel like that's you know like you're asking someone to, to choose which of their child is their favorite because <laughs> okay. now yeah. now if I don't choose whoever that person is, then they're gonna. Well, I guess what does it matter if they're mad at me? I'm gone. Bye. Well, Whatever. Well, I, I think let's preface to say I know you love them all. I do love them all. They're all my spe- special, unique snowflake children. But are there any that really stand out for you as you as you leave the show saying, man, I'm really glad we did that one? So the one that I'm going to pick is is a horrible one to pick because um, how many people do you think were there? Maybe 200 people heard this episode and then it was gone forever. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Um, and that is there's another lost episode of Mac Power Users. And that was an episode that we did at Macworld. Do you remember what year that was? Uh, it was like 10 or 11, probably. It, it, we'd, we'd been going for a few years. Yeah, it was two or three years after we had started. Yeah. Um, but Rob Cordery came. There's photos. There's photographic evidence that this happened um, and joined us for a live uh, episode of Mac Power Users. Um, you know, Rob Cordery is an actor, director, comedian, writer. He's of Children's Hospital fame. And um, I, I mean, this daily is a show. daily show. Of- this this is a, a legit movie star, busy guy. Uh, who happens to listen to the show. Rob, if you're listening, hi, call me. Um, and um, he he graciously 
not only agreed to come on the show, but agreed to fly himself um, out, out to Macworld and, and hang out with us for the day and, and spend the day with us and, and do a live show at, at Macworld with us. And um, I, I can say this because there's no more Macworld anymore. Uh, we, we were so we wanted we recorded it. We had the Zoom. I actually bought a Zoom recorder, I think, to, to do this. And uh, they, they, they had all of these rules, you know, because of the, the union rules and all of these things that you could and couldn't do. And like they would not let you push the button to record it. Like you had to like stand there while they brought someone in to set it up for you. And you were not allowed to push the button. Like I, I and I wanted to just go do it because I thought, what are they going to do? Are they going to tackle me? Um, and other people were like, no, no, you, you can't go do it. And I, I've always kind of been a little rebel rouser. I'm like, I feel like it's better to ask forgiveness than permission. But anyway, we didn't. And the, the, the person who was managing the sound and the audio for us swore up and down that, yes, it was recording. And of course, we go back uh, behind the stage after the show is over. And no, it wasn't recording. And that episode was kind of wild. We just kind of went off the rails. Um, <laughs> it was, uh, that would have been a fun episode. Uh, it definitely would have offended some people, I'm sure, at some level. <laughs> but but it was a good time. There might have been some editing of that episode. But I but you remember we packed the room. We, we had a, a room in Macworld. And it was, I, I think at one point they were going to send the fire marshal. And they actually had to tell people no more people could come in because there were probably 200 people packed in the room. Every seat was packed and they were... Uh, lined up along the back and the side walls. We're going to have to get Rob on the show again at some point. I'm going to, I'm going to work on that. But the, um, but he said, you know, he's, he's just like us. He's a nerd who wants to get good at using his Apple tech. And he's a big fan of that stuff. Um, it, it was interesting because we were walking through the floor of Macworld together and like all of the, the nerds would come out just to introduce themselves to me and every other person and Macworld would want to meet Rob. <laughs> so you could definitely see the difference between our different uh, audiences. That day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, it was fun though. Yeah. I, that was a, that was a really great episode. Any, any other um, guests stand out for you looking back? Uh, I really enjoyed the episode we did with Michael Hyatt. Um, I, I would, would love it for you guys to have him back on the show again at some point. I, I enjoy his podcast. He, um, he does a, a diff little different style show now than he did before. It's called lead to win. But I, I really enjoyed his a lot of his productivity and his philosophies on things. And um, so I, I thought our show with Michael Hyatt was was a great show. And um, I we last week we had Jason Snell on the show. And I, I told Jason that I, I wanted to talk to him again. Uh, just m not to I mean, Jason, of course, is always a great guest. But I, I will tell you for more sentimental reasons that that was when I really felt like Mac Power users had made it is when Jason Snell agreed to come on the show because he was one of our fairly early guests. And I mean, Jason was the editor in chief of Macworld magazine, which was this institution um, that that I had you know grown up with the Mac with and um, and for the editor in chief of Macworld magazine to agree to come on our show uh, was a in a really big thing. And so that was kind of the moment where I felt like we had, we had made it. Yeah. We've had so many great guests over the years and, um, and, and, but Jason, you're right. Jason was one of the early ones that agreed to come on. And that was, that was really great. And uh, now he's just like our buddy Jason. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it nice? 
So this episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you in part by the Omni Group, and I want to talk to you about the amazing OmniFocus. You can learn more by heading over to omnigroup.com. So OmniFocus is my task manager of choice, and it is the one that I've been using for years to get everything done. OmniFocus came out with a big new version 3 for Mac, and it allows me to accomplish more every day. Uh, OmniFocus has the uh, familiar design that you've been looking for, but it's also got a fresh new update. Uh, You can get more done with OmniFocus, and one of the best new additions, I think, to OmniFocus is tags. Uh, You can still use your GTD methodology because OmniFocus allows you to put things into certain perspectives, uh, to uh, assign context and all, but you can now tag your tasks. You can have multiple tags on your tasks. So, for example, you can tag your tasks based on uh, where you need to be. You can tag your tasks based on a day of the week. You can tag your tasks based on a person or a location or even an energy level. The possibilities are endless, which makes OmniFocus ultimately customizable to your needs and how you want to organize the way that you get your work done. OmniFocus lets you add actions so that you can never forget anything. The thing that I love most about OmniFocus is it makes it super easy to get information into OmniFocus. I'm one of those people that I will think of something in a snap, and if I don't immediately put it in my task management system, it could be gone. So with OmniFocus, it is so easy to get information in. You can add information with Siri. You can add information directly from email. You can add information with their quick action uh, keyboard shortcuts. There's Any way you want to, you can get information into OmniFocus. You can then group your uh, information into projects, um, add tags, add locations, add people, whatever you want to do. And then you can add custom perspectives to help you plan your day, to help you get work done. And then when you're ready, make sure you follow up with a regular review so you can see exactly where you are and help you keep on track. And of course, all of this information syncs using OmniSync database so that you know your information syncs seamlessly across all of your various devices and platforms including their iOS devices. So I tend to do a lot of uh, task input and a lot of task management and a lot of task organization on my Mac. Uh, But when it comes time to actually checking things off or maybe quick adding tasks when I'm out on the go, I do a lot of that on my iOS device. And it's great to have all of that information in sync. I've been using OmniFocus for years and can't imagine uh, a different task management system because it can be as simple as you want or you can get really nitty gritty and complex. It's a task management system that lets you customize it for the way that you want to work. There's no right or wrong way to use it. You can download a free trial through the Mac App Store or by heading over to omnigroup.com. And thanks to Omni for their continued support of Mac Power users. So um, looking back, uh, do you have any favorite moments uh, with the show? I mean, forgetting about guests, but just stuff that we did that stands out for you. I I would tell you that my favorite moments probably center around... um, this the the special things that that, that we did uh, out outside of of normal shows. I mean, um, w- when we record a podcast, uh, I I sit here in my office by myself and sit in front of his computer screen and and look at notes and Google Docs and and talk to you. And not to say that's not memorable. There there definitely been memorable moments in the show. But um, you know, at, at the end of the day, I'm I'm sitting in my office talking to a microphone, talking to someone. So probably the most memorable. Uh, pieces of Mac Power users have been the time when I've actually gotten out of the house and, and interacted with with other people. 
Um, so certainly our meetups. I, I remember our first Disney meetup that we did, uh, we happened to do because you and I both were at Milo Fest. Um, and I think we organized it very quickly on a whim. Um, we announced it a couple of times on the show and put it out on Twitter. We didn't think that that many people would come. We didn't really plan for that many people to come. We just kind of set up in the corner of a restaurant. And so many people came. And and they came from all over the place. And I mean, I mean people were coming from across the country. And uh, part of that was the draw of Disney, I think, because they could use it as an excuse to be like, hey, you want to go to Disney World for the weekend? Um, but uh, how cool was that? Yeah, that was really nice. I remember how mad the restaurant got at us because we, we took way more space than they expected us to. <laughs> you know, we paid them. They can get over it. Exactly. Uh, I, I think this, the Chicago meetups we did were, were similar, where we had lots of people show up. Uh, just and, and the people that listen to our show are just so amazing and smart. So it's always wonderful to get to be around them. Yeah, the Chicago meetup, I think we did after we did our Disney meetup. So we we planned it a little better in terms of we, we got a dedicated space. We knew a little bit more about uh, what to expect. And uh, we, we had a, a really good partner, and I'm, I'm blanking their name, but that uh, the restaurant that we used both times we did the Chicago meetups gave us a dedicated space and a good menu. And um, um, so we, we did that better, I felt. And Setup came in both times and contributed thousands of dollars to to give food and t-shirts to everybody. It was very nice of them. Um, and then of course, um, I, I really still miss Macworld. Uh, I, I, you've been to WWDC. I have not made it out to WWDC. Uh, part of it's just, it's a, a worst time of year, which is hard to believe for, for me to go. And, um, part of it is I'm not a developer. I've never been a developer and it's not, you know, really the user conference that I was used to, but I really miss Macworld every year. It was a great time to get together with people and to, to really meet people. So uh, I, I think that's probably gone, but uh, th those were always great times. I remember uh, the first time we did a live show from the floor of Macworld, they had us on a really big stage. It was, I think it was when Apple was still there and we got that stage. It's all kind of a blur at this point, but um, I remember you and I sitting there looking at each other in this massive conference hall with all these people sitting down and just looking at each other and like, is this for real? You know, that was one of the first times we'd ever done anything together in public. That was fun. I, uh, I am an introvert by nature, which is, uh, I, I read this book quiet by Susan Cain, which is uh, kind of the first time it's shed some light on this, but I, I've always known I was very introverted, but I never really understood that because I'm not a shy person. Um, but you can be an introvert, but not a shy introvert. So it's kind of, kind of weird um, where a lot of those types of events can, can really drain me, but I'm, I don't have any problem getting up on a stage and talking to a lot of people, but it's a lot of the, um, um, a, a lot of the one-on-one -on -one interaction after that, that's weird. So it, it, it's kind of funny to, to, from my perspective, I'm, I'm sitting here in my office talking by myself on a microphone to, to my buddy, David in California, but, you know, to, to think about what's on the other end of that, you know? Yeah, one of my biggest regrets about the show is just not like compelling you to come out to London last year. It was the same thing. We had this massive turnout. People came from the States. People came from uh, Europe. And we had just this big gathering of folks. And everybody's question is, where's Katie? <laughs> so uh, if I had that to do over again, I would have somehow compelled you to come out there. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I would just flown through Florida and just grabbed you just and take me up. with me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I probably should have, I think if I had known what it was going to be more than just a, a drop in thing, I, pr I probably should have gone, but you know, live and learn. 
Um, what about looking back? Do you have, uh, I mean, we've covered so much content on the show over the years, but are there any workflows or, or topics that, that are near and dear to your heart as you finish your run? Oh, how much time do we have for this? Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, we've, we've done this for almost nine years and I've, my workflows have uh, changed and evolved over the, the nine years that, that we've been doing Mac power users. And, um, I, I've changed my workflows. If you go back and listen to some of the episodes, I'm like, yeah, I know I, I don't do it that way anymore. Or I found a better way. And in some respects, you've convinced me to do some things differently. Um, I mean, I think if I had to go back and, and, and hit some of the highlights or the, the MPU greatest hits of the things that we've covered, and a lot of these we've covered over multiple episodes and in multiple ways, but probably the things that have had the the most lasting impression on on my computer usage is um uh going paperless would would definitely be be one because uh going paperless has has not only helped me eliminate a lot of clutter but it's it's helped me stay organized and find information um very efficiently um backup is one that that has changed so much i think during the reign of the show it's just gotten so much easier and and the way that I store and manage data is is differently, and and, and we can talk about some of these more in, in depth if you want. But it, it is interesting with backup because I think about how hard it was when we first covered it, and we've done a couple shows on over the years because frankly the technology changed. Not only did the technology of how to backup change, the things that we want to backup changed, and um, uh, but you know as we were talking earlier, now there's for fifty dollars a month. Thank you, TJ. Uh, you fifty dollars a year. Oh, see, I got it wrong again. Uh, anyway, fifteen dollars a year, you can have everything backed up to an online service that's you know outside of your local you know domain. Uh, it's just it's just so much easier now to do so much of this stuff. But back then, we had to come up with some really complicated schemes to figure out how to get everything backed up. And and fortunately, some of those problems are now solved. But um, for better or for worse, we've got a whole new set of problems as these mobile devices get stronger and we have to figure out how to make them work with our Macs. Well, so one of the big changes that I've seen occur um, in the last nine years that we've been doing the show is is syncing technology, which which is not the same as backup, but it the two kind of go hand in hand. Syncing used to be really hard and it was always a mess and there was always the opportunity for a disaster and things would get out of sync and you would have conflicted copies and things wouldn't be where they were supposed to be and they would be slow. I mean, we did a lot of episodes in the beginning that revolved around the complexities of sync. And I think sync now is a problem that is largely solved. Uh, Since 2001, uh, and this is this is kind of where my use of technology is is changing and evolving. I, I made the decision in two thousand and one with the Titanium PowerBook to make my primary computer a laptop because I didn't want to have to deal with sync anymore. I didn't want to have to deal with keeping things in sync between a desktop and a laptop because that was just such a nightmare. And as we've talked about the the evolution through that. I'm in a place now where I'm ready to get rid of my laptop and and go with a desktop again um, because if I do need a secondary laptop, which I'm going to try to go iPad only for a while, but even if I were just to get a little MacBook and, and have that as a secondary laptop, it's not that big of a deal anymore because I keep all of my data and information that I need access to in the cloud and I can get at it anywhere. 
And and so that's a whole other thing uh, to talk about as well. But um, sync is just a non-issue. And, and really Dropbox was the the pioneer in that. And I think we've gotten to the point where iCloud may have finally figured it out. I, I, I don't want to say that I trust iCloud as, as much as I do Dropbox because – it, it's not as sophisticated a solution. It's it's not as full featured a solution, and there's still lots of room for error there. But it, finally, after the .dot Mac Mobile Me, all of that iTools debacle, I think we're starting to get to a place where Apple is figuring out the cloud. Well, I just felt like for the longest time, when it came to cloud sync, the exception was the company that got it right. You know, the, and, and nobody got it right, but maybe one or two companies in Google and Dropbox were certainly, I think, two of the trailblazers there. I was thinking back, there was a time when I was using SugarSync, which I think existed before Dropbox. If you go back far enough in the Mac Power Users archives, you'll hear me talking about SugarSync. And, and that one trashed a bunch of my, um, my Scrivener files when I was writing a book. And so it was just like always like you felt like you're playing Russian roulette with your data. And, and, but some, at some point in this, last nine and a half years it's it's switched to where now sync failure is the exception and generally you can expect everything to work and the exception is something going wrong and that's really good because i i think it is way better i mean when we first covered sync we focused on things like chronosync and getting drives to match and all this crazy crazy stuff you would do to get data between your laptop and your desktop computer and, and I think the other thing that goes hand in hand with that is that technology has evolved, not only in terms of the sync technology, but internet technology in, in terms of most of us now have fast Wi-Fi or, or excuse me, fast internet connections. In fact, I, I just had my annual call with my cable company to say, why are my rates going up? What's what's the deal? What can I do? And sure enough, I just got the, the promotion for another year where they just tripled my internet speed and I'm paying, you know, a couple bucks less than I used to. So I'm now doing like 300 down, 20 up. And we, most people now, not all, and I, I realize you're going to write in and say, oh, I still don't have high speed internet where I am, or I'm on satellite or those types of things. But as the internet connections have gotten better and stable and more reliable, and most everybody has high speed internet at their homes, that has really helped the sync issue. Hey, it's funny you say, I just got a deal as well this last week. I was going to talk about it um, at some point on MPU. I'm getting 300 down now too, and it's just bananas how fast it is. Yeah, I'm I'm paying less for the 300 down than I was paying for the 100 down. And I'm like, really? What? I don't know. And they're like, be sure you call us back a year from now before your rates go up to get a new promotion. I'm like, I, I just hate that. I hate doing that. Come on. So I put it in my OmniFocus December 1st, call back about a new new promotion with my cable provider. I'll tell you one subject where we will always have to pour one out for you going forward in Mac Power Users, whenever it comes up, is cutting the cord. I know that's your your passion. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I will tell you, I don't remember exactly when it happened because it, it's been years now. It was fairly early in the Mac Power Users run. I decided really just as an experiment kind of to, to cut the cord. I must tell you, I did not expect it to last. I initially did this kind of as a knee-jerk reaction. Number one, I wanted something to be able to talk about on the podcast. Uh, number two, I, cause I knew we'd get a show out of it. Um, and, and because I, sometimes I get mad and make these snap decisions, which I was not, not the best thing to do, but I got really mad about all the money that I was sending to the cable company every month for basically watching like 
three channels other than the ones that I could get free over the air. And um, so I decided to see if I could cut the cord. And when I did it, I want to say it was like 2011, 2012, uh, when I initially cut the cable. It it was doable, but it it's so much easier now. I mean, I, I remember if you go back and listen to that very first cutting the cable episode that I did, uh, you know, I did it and it was great and it was fine, but there were a lot of workarounds and there were a lot of caveats and there were, uh, you know, a, a lot of, oh, but this, but think about this, but don't do this and, and consider this. And then you talked about on one of our MPU Plus episodes a, a couple of years ago, or no, I'm sorry, a couple of months ago. It was, it was this year. Yeah. yeah, it was this year that that you one day, I think, had the same realization and just decided to cut the cord and it was like a 15 minute ordeal for you. Yeah, it wasn't very big deal at all. But but now the the challenge when you did it, um, they the companies hadn't wised up to what was happening. Now they have so now they're finding all sorts of new ways to get you to give them money for individual subscriptions, which kind of gets back to the, my life as a subscription show. Uh, even though you're going to be cutting cords, you still have to be careful because it'd be very easy to get yourself back into paying the exact same amount of money you were to the cable company. Yeah, and but we're also now in the situation where there is so much content that you can't get from the cable company. So you, you have to do it by an add-on subscription. Uh, there's a lot. I, um, I, I've had a really, really busy time uh, recently at work. And um, someone asked me what were my plans for the holidays. And I, I have plans with my family, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. But I said, honestly, I plan on getting in my PJs and getting a cup of hot cocoa and laying on the couch and watching a lot of Netflix. Because like all of my favorite shows have, have dropped on Netflix right now and I need to catch up on them. Yeah, I'm like that too. We, you know, I, I've made reference. We've had some family stuff going on and, uh, it's taken a lot of my time and there's a whole season of the new doctor who I've only watched two of them. I have stalled in star Trek because I'm depressed about it, but I, I need to move forward. Uh, all the, all these things going on and I, um, but I'm just so busy right now. And, um, and, you know, we're trying to, I want, you know, we've been busy trying to make this a good month on MPU and plan for the future. And there's just a lot going on right now. So I, I'm going to get caught up, but I suspect for me, it's probably going to be January before I actually get to do all that stuff. Oh, I feel like I might get a call from you come January or so when you get a little bit further into discovery. Yeah, well, that's one of the nice benefits I get. Uh, even though Katie's leaving MPU, uh, I still have her phone number. So, so long as she doesn't block me, I can still get a hold of her. Because <laughs> things that you were mad about, things happen. Okay. All right. Well, we'll get there. Okay. I've got a bunch of listeners writing me about Star Trek right now. Gang, just give me a month. I'm really busy, but I'll get there. I promise. Um, but anyway, the, the, I always enjoyed that cutting the cord stuff. And I know that, that you're passionate about, so I'm always going to smile when we cover that going forward and, um, and think about you over there. Well, I think in the, the, f it, you're, you're starting to see this gain acceptance, um, certainly during, uh, towards the millennial population and, and even towards, uh, people who are older now, um, I think in the future that this will, when, when I cut the cable, it was still a, like, a, what you cut? What, what is this? Why, why would you do that? It was, a you know, people kind of turned their heads and, and looked at you funny when you did it. And now when someone says, oh yeah, we don't, we don't have cable. I, I, I know several people, um, f several friends and colleagues who don't have cable and they're like, yeah, no, we, we just don't, we don't have cable. We have, we have Netflix and Amazon and it's fine. And that, that's the norm now. So I think in the future, it will be even more normal. I, I, I wonder how far we are before the, the traditional cable providers just accept this. I think it's starting to sink in because when I canceled, I didn't get any fight. I was ready for a fight. 
didn't get one. You know, I, when I called to get my new deal on my internet, they're like, well, so let me look at your package. What do you have? Cause I would like, they're, I'm like, they're going to try to sell me the bundle with the phone and internet and all of that. And I said, listen, all I have is internet. That's all I want. I don't want a bundle. I don't want cable. I don't want phone. He's like, oh no, that's fine. I was like, oh, okay, great. Hey, let's take a minute to talk about our next sponsor, and that's our friends over at 1Password. Uh, 1Password.com slash MPU uh, gets you a nice discount on your 1Password subscriptions. Uh, 1Password's been a longtime sponsor of the show, and we're so really happy to have them as a part of the Mac Power users because I think their product is just so fantastic. Uh, and these days, securing yourself from the internet is something that you cannot take lightly. It seems like a day doesn't go by that I don't get an email from some company uh, talking to me about, you know, uh, breaches in their security. Or I even got one just the other day from a vendor that I deal with regularly that says uh, they noticed a lot of password hacks occurring uh, by people who had their passwords hacked at other websites, but were using the same password across all the websites. And now they're starting to get complaints from their customers that people are are getting into their accounts um the bad people are getting into the customer accounts using the password they got from a different website breach so it's like you can't escape it even when you're working with a website that does a good job of protecting your passwords it really falls on you to do that and one password does that for you it makes strong and unique passwords and it saves them for you and it gives you the best of both worlds because not only do you get a really strong password they make it super easy to fill that in no matter which apple device you're using uh, and they have family plans and business plans. So no matter what context you're in, you can get it set up. I, I really am happy with the family plan that we have. But the thing I wanted to focus on this ad read is that they have a thing in 1Password that doesn't get enough attention. It's called Secure Notes. And in 1Password, it basically has a notes app built in where you can put anything you want in there but it's locked behind the firewall that is the 1Password gateway. So uh, if someone gets your device and uh, knows your phone's unlock code or they hold it up to your face or whatever, uh, there's just a lot of ways, even when you try in Apple Notes to secure a note, it really isn't that secure if they know their way around your phone. Uh, 1Password puts up a second big brick wall vault between your most secure data and the world. And I was just like in the doctor's office and I was taking notes and I did it in my secure notes. The doctor was asking me about if I, I was worried about privacy and I actually I think sold him a copy of one password while I was sitting there. But it's just, you know, it's a great way to put things like social security numbers and medical information, maybe really key client information that you still need to have on the go. Um, this is a feature that I don't think is really matched anywhere else. I, I love that it's in one password and I love that it's, it's locked behind, like I said, that one password vault. Uh, so check out secure notes. Even if you're already using a, a one password subscription, this is something you should look into using more often. Think about what data you can put in there. And if you don't have one password, go check it out. Like I said, if you go to onepasswordcom slash MPU, you get a nice discount on your subscription. And this application does so much more than just create secure passwords and fill them in for you. It's really a, a security suite that you can carry on your phone, your iPad, and your Mac. And they just never stop developing it, making it better, easier to use, and more powerful. Um, so we thank 1Password for all their support of the Mac Power users. And once again, that website is onepasswordcom slash MPU. I wanted to take a minute to kind of talk about just in general, this journey you've been on with Mac power users for the last nine years. 
And you've kind of made reference to it. I mean, when we started the show, the focus was was clearly Macs. There was no such thing as the iPad. And um, and the Macs have evolved a lot over the last nine and a half years. Um, how have your technology preferences changed? I feel like we've uh, kind of come, come around circles. I, I still feel like the Mac is my primary platform and my platform of choice. I, I have a lot of nostalgia for the Mac. I, I grew up on the Mac. I can do my best and fastest work on the Mac. Um, if if you were to ask me to accomplish a task and are going to hand me a, an iPad or a Mac, uh, I would reach for the Mac probably every time. But I don't know that I, you know, I'm, you know, I think if, if you were to hand me like, like, what, what is your weapon of choice? I think I would say it's the Mac at this point still. But the the iPad definitely has a um, a place in my life. And it's it's my leisure device, but it's my leisure device that I can actually do stuff on if I need to as well. So that's where I do see myself. And I, I think I would have made this transition this year, but for Apple not coming out with, with updated iMacs this fall when we expected them. Uh, I definitely see myself transitioning away from a laptop, and my my plan is to uh, buy an iMac and get rid of my laptop. the The funny thing, and we talked about this a little bit on our our episode with with Jason last week, is boy, we I, we both really feel like Apple is um is going to make a transition away from Intel into ARM based Macs. And do you really want to buy a new system? right before a transition because on one hand yeah then you maybe got the last great intel system so you've you've got yourself a long runway that you can you can wait out a transition or do you just rip the band-aid off and and go with it and do you want to buy the first of a a new arm-based transition so i don't know that's that's kind of a question i think the the, one of the biggest advantages on an arm-based mac is going to be battery life you know, which is a laptop feature. It's not a desktop feature. You don't, you don't, I don't, I don't know that I care that much about an ARM-based iMac. Exactly. So, so because you're looking at iMac, I would probably be more inclined to just get the Intel and go with it because you know, it works with everything. Um, if I was looking for a laptop, I think that the battery, the improved battery life of a, an ARM-based Mac is going it's it's going to be like significant, like maybe two X what you're getting. I, I I don't know, but I mean I think it's going to be a lot more than what you're getting. So um, that would be a big reason to switch over to an ARM based Mac. And and I don't know is Apple going to do it with all their Macs at once, or are they going to do it with just maybe like some of the like the MacBook Air? I, I don't know how they're going to pull it off. So I, I feel like for someone like you that's looking to buy an iMac, I wouldn't torture myself too much on it you know i think if you buy a new like i have an intel mac that i intend to have here for probably four more years um and i don't think i don't have any worry that it's going to stop working suddenly so i I think you're probably fine Uh, i don't know you asked me how my preferences change i don't i don't know that my preferences have changed a whole lot other than i've been now open to to other things yeah i i feel like just as your friend and talking to you even off the, the air you're using, even though you prefer the Mac, you're using iOS to do a lot of work. And um, right, and and I will tell you, since I've moved into this house, I've been in this house about eighteen months now. That my my office is set up upstairs in a in a room above my. Uh, I have kind of we call it a bonus room, but it's a room above my garage. And it's a completely finished room. It's connected to my house, but it's kind of separate from the house. So I have to. Um, 
it's it's separate only that I have to go upstairs to do it, but it's 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 a little separate from the house. And one of the things that I've I've noticed is there are many days that I I come home from work and I don't go upstairs. And so my Mac has kind of been my office machine, my upstairs machine, and my iPad's kind of my downstairs machine. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I I can do this. This is fine. I, I don't I don't need to go upstairs. Yeah, in California, with our price of our real estate, we have bonus rooms too, but we just call them houses. Um, where do you see everything going? I mean, you're not going to be around next year to uh, comment on all this stuff. What, I mean, what do you think about uh, Apple making another processor transition to ARM? And, and um, you know, what do you think is going to be the future of your beloved Mac? I think it's happening. Um, I'm nervous about it, but I think Apple will will work work through it. Apple tends to ask a lot of its users, and it's one thing to ask a lot of its users when almost all of your users are your fans. And Apple is in a unique situation now, which is a good situation, but, you know, when when Apple was small and and lean and um, on the verge of death, all of Apple's users were really Apple fans, and they'd be willing to do a lot for you. They'd be willing to transition for you. They'd be um, willing to, to deal with something that's a little flaky or not a great experience or to buy new software for you. But when you're a mainstream company and everybody uses you, they're, they just want their stuff to work and they want it to be easy and they want it to be reasonable. And if you make them jump through too many hoops and it starts to get hard, and I, I also worry about this with pricing and it starts to get expensive, they they don't have that loyalty to you that your diehard fans do. So I, I think Apple needs to be careful not to rest on its success and rest on its laurels because they their diehard fans and their power users will be there for them. And, and they will roll their eyes and they will grin their teeth and say, but this is the price that I pay. And I've always paid this price for being a Mac user and I'll do it. But the other people won't. They'll say, I'm, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to go buy an Android device. I'm not spending $1,500 on a phone. I do worry. I feel like that, um, especially this last year, this, this press towards uh, price increases and they have taken a thrashing in the stock market. And I think that's probably one of the reasons, but um, to me, the, the concern I always have is they have to make great stuff. I mean, when people ask me, when does Mac power users end for me, it ends when Apple stops making stuff I'm passionate about and they have to be, that's the line they have to be careful about. Well, and I, I will tell you, and, and there people have people have asked me. There's like, are are you still an Apple person? Are you still going to continue to buy Macs? And, and yes, I am. I'm still an Apple person. I'm still going to continue to buy Macs. I'm still going to continue to buy phones and iPads. Um, I, I've talked famously about my MacBook Pro, which we've kind of nicknamed the MacBook Deplorable on this episode, or on a Mac Power Users Parlance. The the MacBook Pro was this MacBook Pro that I had waited for forever, because uh, you know Apple hadn't re- updated the MacBook Pro in so long. And I just kind of felt like, okay, I've waited for so long, it's here, I'm going to go buy it. And I don't like this computer. I mean, I like it. It's a Mac. It's, it's, uh, I, I certainly would buy it before I would buy any other laptop. But it's, it's not user-friendly. I've got all these cables and adapters to use it. It's, it, I, I shouldn't have bought it. I should have bought an iMac. That's when I should have made the transition to an iMac. But if if me, someone who has been a, a diehard Apple user for over 30 years, looks at this MacBook Pro and says, I'm just not happy with this. Um, I, I, sh- I bought the wrong thing. I should have bought an iMac. 
what is somebody who's not a diehard Apple user after they've spent, you know, almost $3,000 on a machine going to say? Uh, so that worries me. That type of thing worries me a little bit. And I will tell you, my my brother um, is is in the Apple ecosystem. And, and candidly, he's mainly in the Apple ecosystem because I am, you know, because, uh, because he got a lot of my hand-me-down stuff and because I uh, set him up and, and, Got him brought, you know, a lot of times people in your family do what, what you tell them to do or because that's what they've known. And he told me for the first time, he's got an iPhone 7 and, uh, you know, spoiler alert, uh, this show's coming out after Christmas. He's he's getting an iPhone 10R for, for Christmas. But he said that if he were having to buy his, his own iPhone, uh, it wouldn't be an iPhone. He said, because Apple has priced him out of the market. And despite the fact that he's got everything in the Apple ecosystem, he's he would either just hang on to what he has a little bit longer or he wouldn't get one because it's, it's gotten hard. Well, I predict once you get your iMac, you're going to fall in love all over again. It's a great computer. (laughs) It's a great computer. No. And and I don't, I don't mean in any ways to be negative. I just say that's, that's one of the things that I think Apple needs to be, uh, be cautious of and, and be worried about. I feel like with Apple, that whole thing is just like this, this roller coaster we ride where they like, they fly too close to the sun then they get more realistic, and then one day they start climbing up towards the sun again. It's like they can't help themselves. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by Luna Display. You can learn more by heading over to lunadisplay.com. So if you have a Mac and an iPad, listen up, because there is something missing from your setup. And this is something that could change the way you interact with your devices, something that you will be excited to hear finally exists. And that thing is Luna Display. The people at Luna have given us a little taste of the future, and that is the ability to use iPads as a wireless display for your Mac. You can take the iPad and the Mac that you already own and have them working together, and it is insanely useful. Luna Display is a little dongle that you can connect over Wi-Fi or USB and then instantaneously add more screen real estate. You just plug in a little piece of hardware to your Mac, and all of a sudden you can simulate your screen on an iPad. That means you can have multiple screens whenever you travel without having to lug around an extra monitor because really, who wouldn't want to do that? I've been using Luna Display for a while and it is just plug and play simple. Uh, There's really no lag. You can do just about anything you want with it. And it gives you the ability for when I take this MacBook Pro, even as far away as downstairs or perhaps when I'm traveling into a hotel room to be able to expand my screen real estate with the iPad that I already am carrying in my go bag. It's just as simple as that. Another thing that people are using Luna Displays for is a lot of us have these Mac Minis that are kind of our, you know, closet computers or our headless Mac Mini. I've got one too. Plug a Luna Display into there and instantaneously you have got the most amazing screen sharing solution because you can anywhere from your network uh, access your Mac from your iPad. It's just amazing. Uh you don't have to take our word for it. Yay, LeVar Burton used to say that. Um, I more said that Luna Display is going to change your travel workflow. TechCrunch described it as stunning. And Apple Insider, that it's the first wireless solution that has really impressed them. I know that you're probably going to get one of these. If you didn't get one under your Christmas tree this year, you can go get one yourself by heading over to lunadisplay.com. That's L-U-N-A-D-I-S-P-L-A-Y.com. And while you're there, enter the promo code POWER at checkout for 10% off. Again, that's lunadisplay.com and promo code POWER at checkout. And our thanks to Luna Display for their support of the show and all of Relay FM. 
So I called out in the forums for people to say, hey, uh, you got any questions uh, I could ask Katie on her last episode? And they delivered. Now, uh, Katie's not going to answer them all, but but we have picked several. And I thought we'd have a little fun answering some of those. And they range from silly to serious. So let's uh, let's just kind of get started with that. Um, Bemos wrote in, what's the most significant thing you've learned about technology's impact on our lives for good or bad? during the time that you've helped produce MPU and uh, talk about a, a tough one, right? I feel like you should have to answer these questions too. Oh, geez. <laughs> you didn't tell me that ahead of time. Katie. Um, I, I, technology has had an amazing impact on my life. I, I, I would not be where I am today without my love of technology. I think Everyone has to have uh, a base level understanding of technology. And I will tell you that I, I'm really surprised because I, I feel like as technology has become more commonplace and people just grew up with it, that we're starting to slide back a little bit. I, I feel like there is a, a generation of people, um, maybe my age and a little older, who technology wasn't just handed to them. It was something that they had to work for a little bit. It was something they had to be the geek. They had to be the hobbyist. They had to go out and actively in, involve technology in their lives. So they actually took an interest into it, um, who have a, a pretty high level understanding and, and have really figured out how to make technology sing for them. And, and then Maybe people who are uh, five or 10 years younger, um, maybe if you want to call them the millennials or a younger generation, who um, have just always had technology and it's always been there. And and so maybe those muscles have atrophied a little bit, if that makes sense. I don't know. Am I going on off the rails and not answering this question? I think that sometimes you see that. I mean, I, I definitely know people that are younger than me that are very good at using apps, but not so, so interested in automation and some of the, the deeper stuff we do here. But then for those people, you see people like Mike Hurley and Federico who go crazy with this stuff. So it is hard to, you can't really categorize, but I can see what you mean. I guess the thing I would always think is the people that were younger than me would be so into this stuff because they've got such a great starting place and some people just aren't interested. But I, I guess to go back and answer the question, um, what have you learned about the impact on our lives for, for good or for bad is it's a tool. You you have to learn to use the tool. And the more that you learn about it and the, the more that you hone your skills on it, the, the better that you will get and the better that you will be able to, to use this tool. You know, just I, I know that you're a woodworker, David, and, and the, the more that you learn how to use a particular tool, or the, just like learning to play an instrument or practicing it, uh, the more that you learn about it, the, the better that you're going to be at it. And I, I really do think that you have to use it as a tool because one of the negative impacts we talked about for good or for bad, there's so many good things that can happen with technology. I can, I, I use these tools like uh, uh, Text Expander and Grammarly and uh, 1Password and um, all, all of these other amazing things to make my, my Mac sing and fly and I can get... I can probably get more work done by myself than than two or three people could doing my same job. Uh, technology can also have the exact opposite effect on productivity, and I think that's something that we've talked about all the time on Mac Power Users. And I know that's something that that you you really preach is is using these these thing these tools um, to help you get more done, so that you can then go do what you want to do. Um, I think a lot of people can use technology just as a time waster. And I see so many people who, who do that. Um, how much, how much time do you now, it's, it's now shifting the other way where 
you're just using the device because it's there and you're picking it up because you're bored and seeing what's going on. And, and life is not there. Like your life is not there on that screen. Your, your life is out there. I think one of the nice recent developments is people are becoming more conscious of this and that's dripping into the mainstream more. And with like some of the features Apple's added to iOS and like, um, you know, we've even had guests to talk about this topic. I, I think it's important that people be conscious of it. I, I think this technology can really save your life in terms of, of making you more productive. But like, like Katie said, it can get you into trouble too. All right. Here's a simple one. Um, uh, Nora wrote in, how will you get your technology fixed now that you won't be talking about it? What are you going to do, Katie? I know that you and I both go through withdrawals when we take breaks. What's going to happen? Um, you know, part of the reason I think we, uh, we, we started this podcast is because our friends and family didn't want to hear us talk about this stuff. So we need an out an output for it. So I, I don't know. Um, I, I do a lot of technology-related things just to kind of prep for this podcast. I, I have a, a daily list of reads in, in my reader app, my RSS feeds that I go through. I, I listen to a lot of technology and other podcasts. I don't know that that's necessarily going to change. I, I will probably trim some down. I don't know that I need to be as involved and as on top of things as I've as I've been before because I'm not going to have to be prepping for a show anymore. But um uh, just just because I'm I'm not doing a podcast doesn't mean that that interest goes away. So uh, I'll 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 still be uh, reading the RSS feeds and surfing the web and and lurking here and there and and keeping on top of things. And you can always call me. We can always work it out on the phone. <laughs> um, uh, Centris wrote in. What's your favorite Star Trek series episode and character? So we got three things here. Best series. Best character and best episode. I think I know two of those. So this is hard. Um, so character is is easy. I, I would probably say Janeway. Janeway is 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 my captain. I would want to say Voyager because I I would say that um, I I had much more of a connection personally with with Voyager be, because I related to a lot of the stronger characters on Voyager like Belana Torres and Catherine Janeway. I was not a big seven of nine fan. Sorry. Um, I could see that. Yeah. I will tell you that I will acknowledge that. I think the next generation was probably subjectively the better series though. That was my favorite in terms of the ensemble cast and in terms of the stories that it told. So I could really, I I could really go either way on that. Although I personally uh, connected more with Voyager. I, I think you could say that next gen was the better series. Um, episode is hard because do, do I pick like my favorite Voyager episode? I, I really liked the year of hell one and two episodes. Um, I, um, I liked the next generation episode. Everybody talks about the, uh, the, the inner light episodes is one of the, the next generation best ones. Uh, Darmok. Is uh, inner light the one where he, he, he lives, lives a entire- whole life. I think that, that, that might be my favorite. And that's maybe I'm just getting where he gets the flute. Yes. Where he gets the flute and lives a whole I, life. I get goosebumps. Just got goosebumps right now. Yeah. Yeah. Good one. Um, or, or Darmok where he's trapped on the planet and has to communicate with this captain and they don't speak the language. My daughter in college, they just watched that episode in one of her communication classes. <laughs> Chris, I think you might have answered this. Chris wrote in, how has the way you use your Apple devices changed over the, the year? I guess you've kind of answered that. But anything you want to add? Let me answer it in a different way because I've talked a little bit about my my Mac and my my iPad use. Um, one of the ways that I I think it's it's changed a lot in a good way is I'm I'm trying to use my devices less, and um, 
one of the ways I, I really like the Apple Watch right now. I'm a really big fan of the Apple Watch because the Apple Watch uh, has helped me disconnect from the phone and disconnect from my other devices because I put the watch on in the morning and I know that if it's important because I've I've got my notifications and my settings configured in such a way, if it's important, I'm going to get an alert on my wrist so I don't feel like I have to keep checking my phone. And so I very rarely, and this goes back to always being so engaged in the phone. When when I'm out with friends or, or family, or um, particularly if, if I go, we, we have Sunday night dinner um, over at my parents' house. Uh, I go and, and I have like a little cubby at my, that I, I just have a specific spot that I always put my phone in. And, and I will be there for hours sometimes, depending on what we're doing. And I'll never pick up my phone. And it's, it's great to be disconnected during um, special times and not feel the need to look at your phone unless I get a notification on my watch that something important has happened and I need to go deal with it. I mean, could you imagine if nine and a half years ago when we were recording the first episode multiple times, someone said, hey, by the way, Katie, in a couple of years, uh, not only are you going to have the iPhone, you're going to have your Mac, you're going to have this piece of glass you know, Star Trek pad in this sense, Apple device that is more powerful than a MacBook Pro. <laughs> and you're going to also have this thing that goes on your wrist that can tell you when your most important messages arrive. I mean, just like the landscape has changed so much in the last 10 years. It's crazy. Christian Rowan, this is a question we've heard from a lot of people. Is there a chance we'll hear you in a podcast at some time again in the future? Um, that's a tough one. Uh, I, I don't want to never say never, but I will tell you at this point, I don't have any plans to, um, this is, uh, I'm, I'm planning on, on hanging it up. I'm not, I'm not planning on starting a new podcast with anybody. I'm not planning on guesting on a podcast with anybody. I'm not looking to guest on a podcast. Please don't, don't send me any invites asking me to do that. So, um, no, my, my plan is to do other things and it's, it's been great, but, I don't have any plans to. I'm not saying for sure no, but um, the, the the plan right now is no. And, and just for the record, Katie still has the keys to the Mac Power User Shed, and uh, I'm not changing the lock. So anytime you want to come back and visit, you're welcome. Okay, I appreciate that. I understand that, you know, right now you want to step back from this stuff, and that's cool too. Well, then I could just start releasing my own shows without including you. Yeah, I, I could see you doing that. Or I was going to say, maybe next week you'll just start Windows Power Users, and that'll be that. No, I don't think that's going to happen. No, that's definitely not going to happen. <laughs> no no worries about that, folks. Uh, John wrote in a question that I was surprised you let in, because I don't know how you're going to answer this one. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to answer it either. I kept looking at it thinking maybe I'd come up with something. John wrote, Katie, what do you love? I don't know how to answer that. Um, I mean, I mean, obviously, they're the, the standard answers of, you know, my, my family and and. Uh, those types of things. Um, uh, so I, 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 I took this as to what, what other passions do you have outside of, of, of the Mac? Maybe is that, sure. is that a way that I can, you can answer it however you want. It's your show. Um, I love coffee. I, I love, uh, maybe not Marco Armet level, but, uh, I, I love a good French press cup of, of coffee so much that I've got one at home and I've, I've actually started it. Uh, I, t I took one into the office now too. So I've got a complete setup in, in both places. And there's a little, um, uh, there's a, a little bagel shop here that gets their beans from Guatemala. And, um, so I, I buy my beans and, and grind them and, uh, do all of that. So that, that's one, uh, I, I like spending time with my friends and, and family and, 
I'm, I'm looking forward to having a little more time and I'm looking forward to finding uh, new things to do with this, uh, this, this free time that I'm hopefully going to have in my schedule. So Rosemary, our Rosemary wrote in and uh, a very important question, frankly, the most important of all the questions asked, porgs or triples? I don't like porgs, so I would have to pick triples. So you're in favor of Chewy eating that porg. I thought that was rude to do it in front of his friends. But he did cook it, so I feel like he probably should have ate it. He was <laughs> well, I mean, hungry. if you're going to cook it, yes, you should eat it. But yeah, After you cooked them, I mean, you might as well eat them. You know, I'd agree with you that I, I think trebles are tribbles. They were tribbles. They were they were a key element to the plot of the episode. Whereas the porgs, I'm not sure where they really fit in Star Wars lore, other than this thing that they made that they sold a lot of. But I still like them too. The tribbles. How far have you gotten Discovery? Uh, I'm Never only mind. To, yeah. Okay. But but I feel like tribbles could solve some problems there. Okay, well, see, I'm, you and I are going to have to have a call about this at some point. Tribbles can alert you to things. Uh, you know, something I will tell you is I am really going to miss the uh, the Star Wars, Star Trek, Disneyland, Disney World. I, I feel like you and I are going to continue that via text message and email because uh, that is one of our bonding moments, our, our mutual uh, dislike for each other's preferences on those those subjects. Uh, AK wrote in, uh, your favorite current Apple product and any memories of your first Apple product? It's hard to say your favorite current product because how do you, I mean, if the product that I use most often would obviously be the iPhone because it's it's the device that I probably have the most interaction with on a daily basis. Um, but I, as I just said, I really like the Apple Watch because of all the reasons that it helps disconnect me from the other devices. And I would tell you my most productive device is my Mac. So I don't know. Take of that what you will. Oh, oh, memories of, memories of my first Apple product? I didn't answer that piece. Um, I had the original 128K Mac. Um, that was my very first Apple product. So the, the story there in a nutshell is my dad bought the original 128K Mac um, back in 1984, he owned a small sporting goods store and he wanted a computer for the store. I don't know what he thought he was going to do with it, but my dad's always kind of been this guy where he gets something in his head and he has to go do it. And he got it in his head that he needed a computer for the store. I guess he thought that he was going to do spreadsheets and signs and word processing and other stuff. And he ended up doing none of those things. And none of the, he ended up doing none of those things for years with a computer at the store. If only he had the Mac power users back then. Yes, if only he did. Uh, but he got in his head that he needed a computer. And my dad, when he gets these things in his head, he, he tends to go buy like uh, the most expensive of, you know, like the, the, the perceived best thing of anything out there, which is not a bad thing. I mean, obviously it sat us down this, this road, but um, not only did he not need a computer at that time, not only did I know how he was going to use a computer, but he then went out and bought a Mac to do this thing. Um, and it was a total disaster from the standpoint of he, I don't think he hardly ever used it at the, at the store because he, he brought it home and he set it up. In fact, I remember going with him to go pick it up. It came in a bag and, you know, it was so cute. And he set it up at home on the kitchen table. I remember before he never, I don't think he ever even took it into the store. He set it up at home on the kitchen table and it came with McPaint. And I think the guy that sold it to him talked him into getting, because I was with him. I don't know if he talked him in, if he bought it or if he threw it in, you know, some kind of like kids game that, that came with it, some kind of little kids suite that came with it. Um, and from that point on, it was pretty much mine. I mean, there are in, in my baby book, cause he also bought some bundle that came with like the, 
um, the dot matrix printer. In my baby book, there are like mech paint drawn pictures of my family. Nice. Um, nice. From the beginning. From the beginning. And I, I was probably the only, um, you know, elementary schooler who uh, probably, probably the Mac is to blame for my atrocious handwriting because I'm probably the only elementary schooler, kindergarten, first grader who um, uh, typed their papers. Did you, did you use, what was it, the San Francisco font that looked like ran, uh, ransom notes? Did you use that one? I think I used San Francisco, but not the, not the ransom note font, but yeah. Yeah. What was, wasn't it the San Francisco one? No, San Francisco was a different font. It was kind of, oh, Chicago, Chicago is the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. Chicago was kind of the block standard font. Anyway. I was so ecstatic when we finally got spell check and that took years, (laughs) years to get spell check. Well, you know, it's easy to forget that the Mac took a while to figure things out as well. Um, the, uh, Diane said, do you miss the iPad mini? Uh, I miss the form factor of the iPad mini for certain things. You know, I think we talked on the last episode about, uh, you know, kind of a Kindle would be, would be nice, but, oh, the iPad mini was great for just picking up and reading or doing a quick look through Twitter or surfing the web. I kind of still, there's part of me who would love to have two iPads, you know, one for actually doing stuff and, and one for, you know, just, just reading stuff. I'd love to have an iPad meeting for just that type of stuff, but that's not practical. But yeah, I do miss the iPad mini. Well, uh, our pal JF, uh, occasional guest on the show and professional musician, wants to know about your music because I know how much you love uh, all this different music, Katie. And uh, so what's the first concert you ever attended and how old were you and what do you remember most about it? Eight years old and it was Billy Joel. Wow. Good for yes. you. Yes. Well, good for your parents. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not counting like when I was a kid and went to like, you know, Sesame Street and those types of things. Or Alvin and the Chipmunks, but... My oldest was three. I took her to a Maynard Ferguson concert because <laughs> I am crazy. Um, so anyway, uh, Katie, there were so many great questions in the forum, and this was just a sampling. And there's just been a huge outpouring of love for you leaving the show. I, You know, I, it's hard for me to believe. This morning I was waking up thinking about, you know, this is the last show I'm going to record with Katie Floyd, and boy, am I going to miss you. Um, I feel like that the relationship you and I have developed over the years i i've always felt to you as something as a little sister i mean part of it isn't just because of the stuff we talk about technology but like when we first met you were kind of getting started in your career and um i don't know because you and i talk about together a lot more than just mac power user stuff and um you've been such a part of my life for these nine and a half years every week talking to you and and just so everybody knows we do record once a week we don't usually batch shows because we want to keep it fresh. And, and, um, I really look forward to, you know, my Mac power users time with Katie every week. And boy, uh, I don't know what to say. I, I I'm lucky that you and I will continue our friendship offline, but, uh, uh, the show was very special with you and it will never be quite the same without you. And, uh, I join all the other listeners when I say how much I'm going to miss you. You know, we have been through, so much of our lives together. I mean, nine years is a, is a long time. It's, it's longer than a lot of marriages. I mean, you and Daisy just celebrated 25 years, by the way. So congratulations on, on that. Uh, it's longer than most TV shows have ever run. I mean, the, uh, 463 podcasts, uh, you're still going strong, but, uh, 463, think, think about the, just the, uh, the, the hours. Oh my goodness. I was just thinking like you were there for me when my mom died, you know? Um, and just like real stuff that you and I have encountered through our lives, we're not going to talk about it all on 
on line here, but we've been there for each other for a lot of stuff. And it's just been really great um, having you on the show all these years. I'm not, I'm trying not to get all misty eyed here. 694 hours ballpark. If you assume that the shows are about an hour and a half each. Yeah. Crazy, but, but it was all fun. And, um, you know, I understand why you're leaving and uh, we're going to miss you. I, I feel like, um, don't give up on Mac power users. If you're listening, Stephen and I have been working very hard to make sure that the second act of the show can live up to what Katie has set. And we got some great plans, but, uh, you know, just, I wanted to take a minute to thank you for everything you've given to the show and, and all the listeners and, and me as, as a friend over these years. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate so much everything that, that you've, you've done for me. We've, for, we only see each other on average once a year, sometimes twice a year. Um, but, but we really have, um, when, when you spend, I just did the math again, 28 days, 29 days with somebody is basically what we've done throughout the course of the show. Uh, you, you get to know them pretty well and, uh, you've been a great friend through this and never in my wildest dreams could I have imagined the success that the show would have seen. And, um, We've both done amazing things because of it, I know, and it's opened up a lot of possibilities for for both of us. And um, it's 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 been a wild ride. So uh, I think the sky's the limit. Well, on that, I think we're going to finish this episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, We will see you next week. Uh, Stephen will be here. We've got got an episode. I can tell you the title of the show next week is Stephen Who. We're going to talk a lot about Stephen, what he's that passionate about as we get the show started and where we're going to go with the show. But in the meantime, uh, uh, I want to uh, once again say goodbye to Katie, my my podcast pal for all these years. And uh, and thank you for all of your thank you for everything. And uh, I want to thank our sponsors for today's show, uh, SaneBox, Omni, 1Password, and Luna. Uh, we are the Mac Power Users. We are on Twitter at Mac Power Users. And you can find us over on Relay FM on Relay.fm slash MPU. And we will see you next week.